Hello and welcome to B2B Better, the podcast that exists to help companies rethink the status quo on how they win new business. Each week, I sit down with experts to understand how marketing and sales is broken in their industry and what they're doing to fix it. Here we go. We've all heard the idea that B2B needs to think more like B2C. It's a symptom of years of piss poor me too marketing that is drier than my mum's Sunday night chicken. Reality is most brands in B2B are boring as hell. So the thinking is that we should look to our cousins across the aisle for inspiration. How can we tell stories like Nike? How can we entertain like Netflix? How can we be as iconic as Nintendo? But here's something I've been noodling on recently. Why stop at B2C? After all, there's another kid on the block that has captured the hearts and minds of VCs the world over to a tune of 128 billion market size in 2021. Of course, I'm talking about D2C. So I invited my friend Tina Donati, a direct-to-consumer and e-commerce content expert who for the past few years has juggled working full-time and managing a freelance business to help me brainstorm this. Here she is with a quick explanation on what we're talking about here. So it means direct-to-consumer. And it's about selling products directly to customers, bypassing third-party retailers, wholesalers, or basically any other middleman. So um, the example I like to think of is, say I want to go buy a new pair of Adidas shoes. You could go to any local shoe store near you. We'll we'll sell Adidas. They all do. Um, So that's one outlet that's going to an in-person retailer. D2C is a channel for Adidas though. So it's going directly to, if you wanted to shop D2C, it's going directly to Adidas website and purchasing right from there. And then they're shipping it directly to your house. So you're going right to the brand themselves. You're not going to any other business. Um, And that is essentially what D2C is. We're talking about brands like Warby Parker, Chubby's, Dollar Shave Club, MeUndies and Casper. All of these companies produce their own products in their own facilities and distribute them across their own channels. This gives them a bunch of benefits, as Tina already mentioned. Higher control over margins as they're not paying any middlemen, greater access to targeted customer data as they own the purchasing channels, and of course this unlocks more personalization opportunities that can help increase acquisition and reduce churn. And ultimately, all of this gives them more room to grow brand loyalty. But you'll notice another common theme across the brands I just mentioned. They're all serving end consumers. So what's this got to do with B2B? Here's Tina touching on the most critical aspect of running a D2C business. My advice definitely would just say like the customer experience is so important. And I know that that's such a generalized statement. Um, It's like, what does the customer experience even mean? So in in terms of that, um, customer experience and customer support are very different things. So customer support, you know, you're just kind of waiting for the fires to happen and then putting them out as they come in. Customer experience, on the other hand, is really understanding who your customers are and what can you provide them that makes their shopping with you so meaningful, so helpful, so valuable um, from the moment that they see an ad of yours all the way until they get that package in the door and even beyond that moment. It's it's just really about going above and beyond what most brands are doing to just show your customers that you really appreciate and value them. Think about the last time you bought a B2B product. Was it easy to find the pricing on the website? Were your questions answered quickly? Did the sales team leave you alone after filling out a form? My guess is the answer is a resounding no. 
Fact is, most B2B brands on the whole just aren't thinking about the holistic customer experience from discovery to conversion to advocacy and how to optimize each interaction regardless of whether it pulls in a lead or not. They still have their blinkers on in a changing world where the focus is on making things easier for them rather than the customer. And this is a dangerous place to be in. Why? Because buyers have got more options to solve their problems than ever before. At least they've got more ways of finding solutions to their problems than ever before. Consider this, 60% of B2B tech buyers are millennials, a generation that's twice as likely to discover products online than older generations. And only 17% of total B2B buying time is spent interacting directly with sales teams. The rest is comprised of independent learning online, independent learning offline, and building consensus across a wide range of internal and partner stakeholders. So what does this all mean? You have to be thinking about the whole customer experience, just like Tina says. It's not enough to only worry about what happens top of funnel or bottom of funnel or post-sale. It all matters. Here's an example from Tina of a company that she loves in the B2C space. Have a listen, and then we're going to think about what we can learn from it as B2B marketers. So, you know, for example, I like to look at Chewy. Um, (laughs) They're a pet food brand, and they also sell pet-related products. Um, and this brand's really, really known for how well their CX is. I actually saw a post on LinkedIn um, just one week ago, and it was from a woman who shared how her dog had passed away and she was a longtime Chewy customer. She was subscribed to the brand so that they regularly shipped his pet food to her and she had to cancel the subscription because unfortunately her, her dog had passed away. Um, What Chewy did was they literally sent this woman flowers to her house with a note from the team saying that they were sorry for her loss and they understand it's a hard time and reach out to us if you need anything. And I was like, that is so out of the ordinary from what majority of businesses out there would do. And I mean, you you would never see something like that from the Adidas of the world. Those companies are too big. And I think that's something I love about D2C is a lot of these really small brands just trying to make a meaningful impact. So to stand out, in my opinion, the CX is so important. The CX meaning customer experience and exactly what Chewy does there. That is so memorable. And for people, not even for that woman who lost her dog and got flowers, I'm sure if she decided to get another pet in the future, she'd be right back to Chewy just for that experience. But I saw that too. And I was like, wow, Chewy is so great. Like I have two dogs. Maybe I should start using Chewy. So um, it's a great way to acquire new customers, but also retain the ones that you have. And we all know that that's the successful, that's the successful two pillars for having a long-term business. What this boils down to is delivering exceptional moments in an unscalable way. It's not possible for Chewy or any other brand for that matter to deliver an experience like the one Tina describes to every potential customer of their product. But approaching your marketing with humanity, empathy, and an eagerness to delight unclouded by this need for a transaction is a huge competitive advantage. Are we there yet in B2B? I feel like B2B has such a long way to go because I mean I'm coming it I'm coming at it from the SaaS angle because that's where I've spent majority of my of my working life, but it feels very transactional all the time. And like you said, like pushing new features and products down your throat, there isn't a lot of face behind in SaaS companies. You don't really know who you're talking to, who you're working with, who you're supporting and why. 
And I think that that's a big opportunity for the B for the B2B industry um, to really go above and beyond, like we're saying, just like D2C brands do. But what does going above and beyond look like? It could be as simple as sending a note of congratulations when the occasion calls for it, such as when an organization secures a new funding round or something similar. It could be sending a prospect a box of cookies to enjoy during a tough week, like customer platform Clavio did when announcing a new product launch. It could be delivering llama-themed coloring books to the children of customers stuck working from home, something training and coaching platform Lessonly did at the start of the pandemic. The point is, get creative, keep your eyes open, and budget for this kind of activity so there isn't an excuse to not do it when the opportunity comes up. Not that you have to spend a fortune. Here's Tina again. Yeah, it doesn't, it really, really doesn't have to be um, done in a way where you're losing money or losing profit. So, you know, let's, let's look at another example. Um, I shop majority of my clothes from a brand called Dynamite here in Canada. And I'm a VIP customer there um, with their loyalty program. And they once they have they have um brick and mortar stores around in different malls they also have their d2c channel and an app where i use to purchase majority of my clothes from them is from this app on my phone um one day the local store closest to where i live called me up and they said hey we just brought in a new line of spring clothes Um, we thought you might like some would you like one of our stylists to pick out some styles for you to come try on later I was like, wow, I feel kind of famous. (laughs) This is kind of cool. Um, And so I said, yeah, you know, I I finished work at five. I could be there at six. And they had it all ready for me by the time I came to the store at six. They had a whole rack at the back of the store that was like a whole line of clothes that they had specially picked out for me. And I tried them on and I spent a lot of money that day. (laughs) You know, like that's an example. They didn't give me anything for free. It was just about creating this unique experience that made me feel very special to them. And it was very personalized that they picked out clothes that were related to past things I had purchased so that they felt like they understood what I would be into. And that's just another great example. They did not give me anything for free. They gained profits that day. The only thing they had to do was call me up and put some things on the line for me to try, which I'm sure the ROI that they got from me buying what was there was well worth it. So Um, That's just one example. We've been talking a lot about customer experience up until now, specifically as it relates to retaining and delighting your existing customers. But it's only one part of the picture. Acquisition obviously plays a huge role in building a successful D2C strategy. How can we use content, ads, brand, and community to drive traffic to our site where we stand the best chance of conversion? This is very similar to what we see brands doing in B2B. A metric crap ton of VC money has been spent creating content or paying for ads on Google or LinkedIn to capture the attention of prospective buyers and get them on the company website, ideally to hit the contact sales button in the top right-hand corner. But I see three problems come up time and time again. One, many B2B brands are just wasting their paid budget on direct response messaging targeted at prospects that are out of market and not ready to buy. Instead, they should be boosting organic content that has already performed well and delivers value, whether this is a great resource, a unique point of view, or an interesting insight. Trust that when your buyer is ready to buy, they know where to go, your website. They're not stupid. 
The second thing is companies are gating their content unnecessarily. Look, I'm not in the whole ungate all content brigade, but we've gone too far as B2B marketers in our quest to capture email addresses of prospective buyers. Anything but bottom of the funnel, high intent content, pricing info, tech specs, feature lists should be open to Joe Public. And three, most B2B content out there, and it really pains me to say this, is pretty shit. It either offers no value, it sounds the same as what the competition is putting out, or it reads like a sales pitch. Sometimes all three. This can be a symptom of a quantity over quality mentality that's being pushed down from an executive team, but the real reason, I think, is an unwillingness to do the real deep qualitative research on what customers are actually looking for from their vendors in terms of their marketing, which is a skill hard to come by in most B2B organizations. I want to take a second to quickly give a shout out to one of my favorite Substack newsletters from a good friend of mine, Nicole Tabak. The Social Media Devtox is a weekly newsletter with content tips and mental health resources to help you unplug when you literally can't unplug. I love it because every issue feels like Nicole is writing something personally for me as a reminder to take a breath, appreciate the now, and remember social media isn't always reality. Her curated links on everything from running a successful content program to the rise of niche culture are also always spot on. This isn't a paid promotion. I just really love the newsletter and I wanted you to know about it. Find out more about it at Nicole Tabak, that is N-I-C-O-L-E-T-A-B-A-K dot substack dot com. As we round off this episode of B2B Better, I want to touch on a final aspect of D2C marketing that I think is overlooked for the most part by B2B organizations. When I think of D2C, I think of the founder story, Dollar Shave Club and Michael Dubin, Somersault and Laurie Coulter, House of Wise and Amada Goetz, all examples of brands that are synonymous with the individuals who created them. It works so well for D2C because people really buy into those stories of a pro of you know the brand and the products that they're selling and the story really makes people feel a part of the journey of that business and you know like who wouldn't want to feel a part of someone's really exciting journey um and i i think honestly that there is a big opportunity for more b2b businesses to do what ddc brands are doing when it comes to sharing a story a mission you know the, your values this is so true it's cliche to say it but in b2b people do buy from people especially when those people carry credibility. I've worked for companies generating seven-figure sums each year that still wheel in the CEO founder to close big blockbuster deals, even when there's a team of salespeople and account managers on hand that are paid to do it. Why? Because it carries weight to have that person in the room. They are the author of the company's story. They embody the organization's values. And customers like that. But unfortunately, most B2B brands just stop there and they don't try to bottle up that magic for a public-facing audience. They keep their CEOs behind closed doors. There are some exceptions, of course. My mind goes to Chris Walker of Refine Labs, who credits much of his agency's explosive success to his willingness to get in front of a camera and talk about the things his customers care about. Or Thomas Eikonen, CEO of the Finnish speciality roofing manufacturer Vilpe, who has been a primary contributor to the company's TikTok account, which is currently sitting pretty at almost 90,000 followers. Investing in telling the founder story, 
why this company was created and by whom, the journey they took to get it where it is today, what makes it unique, why it's more relevant today than ever before. This can help engage customers, prospects, employees, and in early stage businesses, even persuade investors to jump on board. After all, everyone wants to be involved with someone they like, with whom they can identify with or admire, and whose story motivates and excites them. But remember this. I will say there is um, one difference, I think, between D2C and, and, and B2B when it comes to sharing the founder's story. Um, I think on the B2B side, no matter what, the customer needs to have that product or service or, or software. There still needs to be a strong pain point that someone is feeling that they need to buy into that B2B business then to overcome that. And whether you have a story or not, if your product isn't solving that, then you're not going to get the customers. Um, so that is the one difference between the two. I would say on D2C, the story can really help drive those sales for things that are just nice to haves. But on B2B, there still needs to be a strong case for why someone needs to buy into that. Huge thanks to Tina for joining me on today's episode of B2B Better. You can follow her on every major social media network. I'll drop the links in the description of this episode or work with her directly through her consultancy, Denali Freelance. And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you want to learn more about how to win new business through modern day marketing, why not sign up for my newsletter, The B2B Byte? John Bon Jovi calls it the best marketing newsletter he's ever read. It would also mean a lot if you could leave a review for this podcast, hit subscribe or share it with a friend. Bonus points for all three. And why not follow me on Twitter at Jason R. Bradwell. All my best stuff is on Twitter. See you next time.